Episode 7, Unpacking Our Boxes. For your reference, 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verses 4-5 through 5 says, For the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but mighty in God for pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God, bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. Hebrews chapter 4, verses 14 through 16. Seeing then that we have a great high priest who has passed through the heavens, Jesus, the Son of God, let us hold fast our confession. For we do not have a high priest who cannot sympathize with our weaknesses, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. Let us therefore come boldly to the throne of grace, that we may obtain mercy and find grace to help in time of need. Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12. For the word of God is living and powerful, and sharper than any two-edged sword, piercing even to the division of soul and spirit, and of joints and marrow, and as a discerner of the thoughts and intents of the heart. First Peter chapter 5, verses 6-7 through seven. Therefore, humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time, casting all your care upon him, for he cares for you. I don't have an illustration today necessarily, um, but what I have is a recap. Um, so not counting episode one, but beginning at episode two, feeling the pain is the first steps towards healing the pain. And I believe that that's a, a quote um, from Lisa Turkhurst, but that is what we have to um, get in our spirit as we begin to trust the process. Lisa Turkhurst also said, what if this painful breaking is part of a beautiful remaking? And even though all of us in some way are damaged goods, God can use our brokenness to really make us and shape us and mold us into who he's called us to be. Will I extend my faith to a place of trusting that Jesus can, quote unquote, fix me? As we learn to look within ourselves and look um, in the mirror of the word to cry out, fix me, Jesus, as opposed to fix it. God's truth challenges our triggers and it challenges Satan's lies and agitation. So as we um, deal with our traumatic experiences, as we sometimes find ourselves being triggered, we have to also use the truth of God's word to ensure that we are not tricked by the enemy. As disciples of Christ, we must learn to discipline ourselves to trust God and to do it his way as we're seeking him and as we're crying out to him. And as we want um, reassurance that he's there and that he hears us, um, we do recognize as we, as we cry out, are you there, God? It's me. He's there. He's always standing 
waiting, willing to give us grace, willing to extend mercy, but we have to learn to do it his way. So as I was preparing for this episode, um, I felt like I was being led in this direction of, okay, we, we get all of these things. We, we get that we're damaged. We, we, we get that we have to learn to trust the process and that we have to seek to ask God to work, work on us and work in us. And we have to make sure that even as we are reminded of our hurts, that we don't allow the enemy to, to trick us and get us into these, um, bad places. And that um, it's okay to cry out and ask God, is he there? But we have to uh, believe the truth of the word that says that he will never leave us nor forsake us. But many people or, you know, those of you who are listening may say, okay, but I'm still hurt. Okay, but I I know I still got stuff in me that needs to come out. Or maybe you haven't even, um, you have not accepted that um, very hard truth that I, I've got to allow God to get in and to, to, to fix it. I've got to allow God to get in and heal it. I've got to allow God to get in and deal with my broken places and deal with my broken spaces so that they can be healed and I can move forward in purpose and I can um, elevate in, in the knowledge of him and I can truly be obedient to his word. So as I was trying to figure out where to go, how to start, um, so many things uh, kind of became a reality as I was really struggling. I was struggling like, okay, Lord, like how do, like, first of all, I always seek when I, when he, when I feel like he's leading me in a particular direction, I'm always first seeking scripture. I mean, there's many things that, you know, he can give me to say and that, that can be said, but it, the purpose of this podcast is that it is all rooted in the word of God. And I, I was struggling. I just felt like I was struggling. And then, um, he began to bring, you know, uh, revelation and he began to bring clarity. And what it all boiled down to is now it's time to do the work. You know, depending on where you are, if you've been listening to the podcast episodes, depending on what place you may be in, what point you may be at, um, whether it's uh, (laughs) willingly or or not, at some point we have to get to a place of recognizing we have to do some work that um, God is not a genie. Yes, God can do um, everything but fail. Yes, he can do the impossible. Yes, he is all powerful and he is all knowing, but he is not our genie. He is not someone that we can call on when we want something and poof, like a, like a magic wish, he gives it to us. Um, that's not how our, that's not how, how our God works. And the only way that we will get to a place of really understanding that and then beginning to learn how he works is through intimate relationship. We have to develop a relationship with God that is free from, you know, anyone else's opinions and thoughts. We have to get in a place of learning him, of spending time with him, getting to know him, um, you know, pouring out at our adoration and our praise, learning to seek him in all things, allowing him to speak back to us and give us um, revelation and clarification, allowing him to give us his wisdom, his knowledge, and his understanding. Um, So once we develop that relationship with him, I think we will quickly see that 
um, he is not a genie. He will, he oftentimes will, will begin, um, a relationship of faith, uh, um, you know, kind of these beginning stages of salvation where it seems like left and right, he's answering prayer, left and right, he's answering prayer. And then it comes a point where when he desires to take us deeper in him and he's desiring to see our faith increase and our faith grow and to, to really, um, test and prove us as James talks a lot about now it may feel like prayers are not getting answered as quickly or even it's like, okay, well, God, I asked you for, you know, this, why aren't you doing it? Because now he wants to take us from the milk of the word to the meat. And in understanding that, yes, he gives us the desires of our heart, but they are according to his will. The ne- another part of um, deepening our faith in him and growing in our relationship is this understanding that faith without works is dead, which is a script is a, a, a partial quote of a scripture found in James chapter two, verse 17, where James is basically saying that no works don't save us. So I hear a lot of times people talk about people that are nice people that that's not what saves, saves us, you know, feeding the hungry and feeding the poor and, you know, doing all these various things that does not bring salvation. That does not guarantee our spot in heaven. We are saved if we go into, I believe it's Romans chapter three. It talks about how we are saved by grace. We are justified by our faith in Jesus Christ. It ultimately is a matter of our faith, our belief, our trust in, and faith is not something that we go by what we see, but our as it says in Hebrews uh, chapter 11, verse 1, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. And so we we have faith, be- believing with hope in Jesus Christ. We believe that who he is and what he's able to do, not based on having seen him or or anything of that nature, but we just believe because of the word of God. We We come to faith in him in our relationship. Our faith, then, if it's genuine faith, it should move us to a point of outwardly expressing our faith, which is this concept of James talking about our works. And so um, in the scripture, he talks about how if we truly have faith that that changes us, now we want to do the will of God. We want to please God. We want to do what God would have us to do. And so when we see our brother hungry in the street, we're not just going to look at him and say, okay, I'm praying for your brother that you can get you some bread. Because in the scripture, he says like, what good is that doing? But our faith moves us to a place of Lord, show me what I can do. Uh, make, give me the provision that I can actually feed my brother. So that was one of his examples of, uh, of works. He used Abraham as another example of faith, um, working together to manifest our works with Abraham, where Abraham had such faith in God that he was willing to take his son and go up into a mountain and sacrifice him. If that's what God required of him, because that's how much faith he had in God. And because of that, he didn't even have to go through with it. He was declared righteous. And then he contrasted that with using someone who was a a harlot, Rahab, essentially a prostitute who, because of the faith that she had, even in a, um, what we would today consider a sinful state, she had enough faith to hide the spies, which in turn, um, protected, um, the people of God. And so, um, our faith 
moves us to a, a, a place of showing it outwardly. Somehow or another, our faith is manifested in works that we do, whether we do them unto others or whether we do them unto ourselves, as in this, um, the whole purpose behind this podcast. And so it's this recognition um, first of all, our confession of faith that we are sinful, that we need a savior. We need Jesus. We, we need him. We need him to change us. We need him to clean up our mind. We need him to clean the way we think. We need him to make us over and make us new and make a new cre- creature. But we have to come to that realization. And that's why we profess faith in him because we recognize you are the only one that can do it. I can't change me. I can't fix me, but you can. And so from that point forward, as we seek to please God, as we seek to do his will, we can apply this faith without works is dead um, concept in, in that I have enough faith, as um, I talked about in the fix it, fix me Jesus episode. I have enough faith in Jesus that I can extend that to trusting that he can fix me, trusting that if I can just, um, you know, get in a place of doing the work of letting down, um, of, of uprooting these strongholds through the, through the spirit of God, of unpacking these boxes. If I just have enough faith, because I can pray and say, Lord, heal me. But there, I have to work at that. I have to be with there's certain things. And I'm going to get into that scripture. There are certain things that I have to do. That scripture says the weapons of our warfare are, warfare are not carnal, but they are mighty in God. Our weapons to work against strongholds, to uproot strongholds are mighty in God. But it tells us what we do in God to in order to uproot those strongholds. Um we can only successfully demolish our strongholds with faith. So here, here we see the faith and the works and obedience and obedience is a work that, that is a work. When we have faith in uh, Christ, when we come into relationship with him, then when we truly come into a relationship with him, uh, this desire to be obedient is um, almost like a natural fruit of our salvation. We, we does we want to be obedient. We want to please God. Now, Paul talks about how our flesh wars against our spirit. And so another part of our walk of salvation, which is a process, is learning how to allow the, the spirit man or the inner man to combat the lusts and desires of our flesh. The more we give into, <clears throat> excuse me, one, the more we give into the will of God, the more we give into the things that God wants us the less we are inclined to, <clears throat> excuse me, give into the lust and the desires of our flesh. <clears throat> excuse me. And so we can only see the, the, the uprooting of these strongholds when we allow our faith to take us to a place of obedience. Um, I just want to back up some. I'm trying to, um, you know, progress through this in a way, because like I said, the Lord led me to this place of, you know, the now what now it's now it's time to do the work. Now it's time to recognize that, you know, we're damaged, we're broken. We have these places and these spaces that we, that not only do we want God to heal, but that need to be healed. That in order for us to continue to progress in the faith and elevate in Christ, 
these places have to be healed. And so um, going back and I, and the underlying basis for this episode is the, the scripture in Corinthians, second Corinthians chapter 10 verses four through five. As I was just saying, we, we, we war in God, meaning we war in the spirit and our weapons of warfare are so mighty in him that we can pull down these strongholds. Again, a stronghold is a false argument in which a person seeks shelter, meaning they hide behind this false argument that is really um, set into place by the lies of Satan. Um, it, be- it is almost, it becomes their safe place. Our, and let me say our safe place. In order to res- escape reality, the reality of our hurts, the reality of our trauma, the reality of, you know, the things that we have experienced that have come to break us and not, not, um, when we are allowing God to use this brokenness for his purpose, but where we have been broken, we are hurt, we are wounded, um, and we are stuck in that place. Amen. Satan has us stuck. He has us bound. And what he does is, like I said um, in the Triggered or Tricked episode, he whispers these lies. He, he tells us these things that um, he, he really is able to convince us of if we don't learn how to rebuke his thought, his, um, those thoughts, if we don't have our shield of faith, as I spoke of in another episode, to um, quench those darts he fires at our mind. He, he fires these darts, he tells these lies, and then we begin to believe them and we take them to construct this argument that protects this wrong thinking that is all, um, it comes out of what has happened to us, what was done to us. We, we build up this argument to escape reality, um, like I said, and trust the process, feeling the pain, allowing ourselves to really sit in that pain, sit in that experience, sit in that trauma. That is our first steps towards healing. We first have to acknowledge that pain. Like, yes, we can say, you know, this happened to me and I'm hurt, but you know what? And our, our one of our favorite, but I'm good. I just got to keep it moving. Well, while we keep it moving, what we unconsciously do, as I said in the introduction to this podcast, is that we tuck it away. And it's really tucked away somewhere, you know, able to cause further damage to us as, you know, the enemy comes in and he, and he attacks that place or that space. But if we learn to, so when we think of, um, I said that in the introduction, I said that we take these this hurt, this pain, these experiences, things we don't want to talk about, we don't want to deal with them, and we place them in locked boxes. If you think of the lockbox as the stronghold, okay, um, the lockbox is protecting, in our mind, it is protecting this hurt place. It is protecting this traumatic experience. And <clears throat> our locked boxes um, can also be in the form of an of an argument of a mindset of a way of thinking or a way of looking at things or you know um this belief this false belief that we have come to uh, live by based on the deception of satan surrounding what happened to us because we may not have been in a place to learn like at during that like right there in the moment as this trauma is happening or after we've experienced it we may we more than likely were not in a place to know how to surrender 
uh, immediately surrender it to God, immediately give it to him. Not saying that, you know, it's, it's not a process because it is, but that we day by day, we know I got to give it to God. I got to give it to God. When I'm thinking the wrong, when the enemy wants me to think the wrong thoughts, Lord, this is not of you. Take this away. So a lot of the times we experience these things, the hurt happens. We don't know what to do with it. Satan gets busy. He gets to talking and whispering and whatever. And now we've come to believe something about this experience that helps us escape the reality of the fact we don't want to deal with it we don't want to deal with it we don't want to sometimes we have experienced things that hurt so bad we don't want to feel that pain and the enemy comes along making us believe um that he has like the magic formula or the magic potion to help us not have to feel the pain. And sometimes we're so desperate, we'll believe the lies that we're hearing in our head. We'll believe the lies about it. And then now we take those lies as he, as he, you know, is speaking to our mind. We take those lies and we build up these arguments or this reasoning to the word that is used a lot when talking about strongholds is fortify this particular belief, thought, or opinion. So if you think of a castle, if you think back in like a medieval days and, you know, even like a biblical when, you know, um, the, the castle was, you know, you, you want to protect the castle because there's always someone looking to try to overthrow you or overtake you. Um, a lot of times castles first, you had to get over the moat, which is like they dig a trench around the castle and it's filled with water. And then now if you can make it past the moat, now there's these walls that surround the castle that you've got to get past. They usually are very tall, so it's not easy for you to climb over it. And then they were usually um, metal or steel, whatever they had at the time, you know, not wood or (laughs) something that you could easily break down or easily get over. Like they they built up these walls. They forti- they fortified the castle, meaning that they protected it. They they built up things that will protect the castle and keep people out, keep people from being able to attack it, keep people from being able to access it. So when we talk about a stronghold, we th- it's the same idea where we build up these arguments based on these lies from Satan to shelter that we can hide behind just like if you imagine these people in the castle they not only can they keep the people out but they can hide behind these walls as well we hide behind the lies of satan that you know we've turned into these arguments well and i always try to give an example so for example i've used the example before that if you have been molested perhaps the the lie that you believe is that all men are looking to hurt you. And that's not the truth. That That is a lie from the pit, pit of hell. That particular person who did what they did to you, we have to learn to deal with that trauma, that experience, that person, and we'll, we'll unpack unforgiveness in a, in a future episode. So we have to learn how to deal with that person. And when, we, and when we're able to do that in God through his word, it prevents the enemy from being able to get us to erect arguments like all men are looking to hurt me or I can't trust a man 
or there's no way that I'm going to be able to um, enter into a relationship with a man, a man who truly loves me and cares about me because of this particular experience. That's how the enemy works. That's how he, he gets in and he fires those darts telling you those lies and then it's like yeah you know what you're right but I mean look at how look at what this person did to me look at how bad it hurt so I can't I can't trust men I can't deal with men and again when we erect those walls when we fortify those wrong um um those false arguments it keeps God out and it keeps God out by our inability to really receive the word of God as truth. Because if, if you know, God has, um, you know, created us in a way where we are interdependent on one another. He made man for woman. He made us all to be in the faith, um, being able to lean and depend on one another. And if, and if we, if we're helpers one to another, then there has to be a certain element of trust there. And if we've been damaged because of experiences that we've had, here's where we're talking about an inability to do the will of God because of our broken places and our broken spaces. And so God has to be able to come in, not only to heal what we've gone through so that we're okay, but then so that we can do his will. And that's, that's, you know, again, another purpose of this podcast in order for us to do the will of God, to be able to walk in purpose for us to be able to do all those things he's created and ordained and called us to do. There's places in us that, you know, we, as we elevate it, we hit a certain point where we're stuck. And when you get stuck, when the enemy can have you stuck and in bondage, then you grow stagnant in Christ and stagnancy and complacency is a form of a backslidden state. So it's important that we are able to use the word of God to do what he tells us. And so as we are unpack our boxes, our warfare, we don't fight with flesh, but we fight in God. We war in the spirit. Ephesians chapter six, um, go and read it for yourself where we put on the whole armor of God and it's what helps helps us to withstand the tricks and the schemes of the enemy and his trick part of his tricks and schemes is to tell us lies so that we can have these strongholds but in God we are able to cast down those arguments amen we are able to cast down these arguments so again as he is firing these darts as he's telling these lies to our mind we are able to rebuke them. We are able to um, rebuke any argument that will that will lead us to develop mindsets and opinions that go against God word, God's word. It says, casting down arguments and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God. N- not only in God are we able to rebuke his lies, cast down these arguments and anything that is looking to place itself above the knowledge of God, place itself above the word, place itself above the truth of God's word. We're also able to bring every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. So what does this look like? I'll use myself as an example. Last year, when I went through the situation where my, I found out that my ex-husband had been cheating with, um, just, you know, multiple women and there were children born from these affairs um you can only imagine the battle right and as a woman of faith the enemy really was looking to 
get me to let go of my faith. And he was looking to pervert the spirit of the Lord within me. And one of the things that he did, he wanted was he didn't want me to forgive and he wanted me to hate. Those two things exalt themselves above the truth of the word of God. And so every time, and, and I wasn't successful all the time. It was a process. It was a process. I was damaged. I was broken, but I knew that Jesus, Jesus couldn't change what had happened. He couldn't undo what had happened. It got to a certain point where he, I could not, um, uh, focus on him changing my ex-husband, but it had to be a willingness for him to deal with me in this hurt, hurting place. And so again, you know, most of us have experiences where we're not in the place to know how to, to do it. And it was a pro it was a process for me. And it's still, thank you, Jesus. It's still a process where when the enemy comes to bring thoughts surrounding what had happened, when he wants me to feel a certain way towards my ex-husband, feel a certain way towards the um, situation, when he wants, when he's trying to work uh, hatred in my heart, and especially in the beginning, where I he wanted me to feel like I hated him for the hurt he had caused me. But the spirit of the Lord within me, and again, what we do in our walk of salvation is so important because it prepares us for our experiences. In my spirit man, in my inner man, I knew, and because the word of God was in my heart, I can't hate. I I can't call myself a child of God and have hate in my heart for someone. And so I had to, every time he would try to give me thoughts like that, it says bringing every thought into captivity to the obedience of Christ. That's that, that was disobedience. So how, what does that look like in real life? Lord, I know this is not how you want me to be. I and and being honest with God because God knows us better than we know ourselves. You got to help me. <laughs> you got to help me. I know in your word it says, you know that I'm supposed to love, you know, love the Lord thy God with all thy all thy strength and all thy might and love thy neighbor as thyself. So there's no room for hate. There's a scripture that says, "How can I love God who I haven't seen, but then I hate my brother who I see every day?" I can't hate him. It doesn't say you, you know, there's exceptions to the rules. You can hate if they've hurt you. No, it says that I'm supposed to love. It says in order for me to be forgiven, I have to forgive. So again, knowledge of the word of God. Um, it says, um, yeah, the, the knowledge of God. So knowing God's word, knowing God's truth, knowing God's expectations. And then here comes all of these arguments and thoughts of the enemy trying to put themselves above that be, because it wants me to put put me first. Amen. It wants me to put, well, but I have a right to feel this way because look at what they did to me. Well, I have a right to do that if I don't want to do it God's way. So going back to, um, the episode, are you there God? It's me. A lot of times our struggle is because we we want, we want to do it our way or, um, we have not submitted. We have not fully submitted. We have not learned to fully submit, meaning to yield, to give into authority, to say, not my will, but your will be done. Not my way, but your way. I, to give in to God as the extreme, as the supreme authority of our life. And so how you're able to do this and to, and again, I'm, I'm speaking of being like, steep in the situation as it you know had happened and and trying because I knew the word trying so hard not to let bitterness set in and and not to you know have resentment and not to let anger because these things lead to hatred 
the enemy can convince you to hate someone and that is that's not um according to the word the word or the will of god and so through god even even in that broken place and how um weak i was again my spirit man was built up enough to wage war for me the um there's a scripture that says that um um that the holy spirit intercedes on that that he it intercedes on our behalf that it's able to um you know take you know basically when we don't know to pray as we ought it, it will intercede for us it will you know speak these prayers for us and so um I knew if nothing else, I knew I wanted to be kept in the will of God, regardless of what had happened and how I was feeling and the anger and all of those, you know, very valid and real emotions. So just because we're saved, just because we're seeking to do it God's way doesn't mean that all of a sudden now we don't, you know, the enemy doesn't try to get us to hate and we don't get angry and that's not true. But how we handle it God's way is we have to learn to submit those things to him. Like the scripture said, we have to, we have to learn how to take every thought and, and place it, uh, let the Lord take it captive so that we can be obedient that it, it almost like we hold the thoughts hostage and submit them to God. It's like, Oh, I, yep, let me take this. Lord is, this isn't of you. <laughs> this isn't how I should think. Help me fix this. Help me change this. It's like every thought we take it and we, and we're holding it hostage. And so this is how we can deal with, um, <clears throat> the hurt, the pain, the trauma. Now, again, I use an example where it was in the moment, but I've experienced some things in my life that, um, if I really take the time to step back and think like, why do I, why is that? Why does this seem to be a pattern of behavior for me? Or why does it seem like I have, uh, let's, I'll use an example. Like, why do I have a hard time trusting people? And I'm not saying me cause that's not me, but I'm just giving that as an example. Um, and, and, and if you that, you know, going back to, are you there? God is me, you know, Margaret from the book with the healthy prayer life. If we really develop our prayer life and, you know, spending time with God. And like I had said, not only do we talk to him, but we give him the opportunity to talk back and to respond. We can say, God, like, like what, okay, what am I missing? Like, where did this start in me? Where did this begin? That that's unpacking your boxes. And if you, and if you let him, he will take you back <laughs> and, um, albeit painful, but if we want to grow and when, if we want to be healed and we want, to, we want to be obedient and all these different things, we have to let them, we have to really examine ourselves. We really have to look like, uh, fix me, Jesus, like the episode said, we really have to look inward. We have to really look at ourselves and say, where did this originate in me? Where did this start in me? Why does it seem like, um, I'm always drinking? like where did this start and and this is not um you know this is not a campaign to you know try to condemn anybody if you drink that these things are between you and god i that's not how i operate but i'm using as an example because if you drink and you are drinking all the time and you drinking all through the day and you you know every time something happens or you're frustrated you're irritated you got to have a drink that's a problem that is a problem 
or even if you have, you know, kind of reconciled this idea of, you know, for you, maybe the Lord has shown you that you, that drinking is not for you, that you shouldn't be drinking, but you can't stop. And so this can lead you to a place of like, 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 where did this, where did this even start? How did this even begin? How did I, you know, even if it means like going back to why, where did I take my first drink? And sometimes we will find that, that these things are linked to traumatic experiences, traumatic times in our lives, you know, perhaps, um, perhaps it's has something to do with death or, um, some type of, uh, molestation or, you know, I'm just trying to give some examples of things that people experience because, um, the one that I, I have been using quite frankly is my re- recent experience, but I, I have trauma that extends beyond that. I, and, and we'll dig into that in the weeks to come. But as we start to unpack our boxes, it's, it's like I said, it, it's time to do the work. It's time to be willing to say, I've got to unpack one box at a time. I've got to deal with one wrong mindset at a time. Why is it hard for me to let people in? Because you cannot have a walk of salvation that is dependent upon your fellow believers, but yet you struggle with allowing um, yourself to get close to people. And it doesn't mean you got to be best friends and tell them all your business, but this walk and the scriptures tell us, and I've, I've referenced some of them in previous episodes, that we are interdependent on one another. We're helpers one to another. We are supposed to um, help bear the infirmities of the weak. We're supposed to be in a place where we can restore an erring brother. Um, I mean, so many scriptures that we are a community of believers. And if you have issues surrounding being able to trust people and being able to let people in, and even just the ability to let the love of Christ be worked in you, that is putting you in a place of exalting things against the knowledge of God, uh, putting things, giving things precedent over what he says in his word, the truth of his word, his expectations in the word. And so if you're serious about your faith and you're serious about your relationship with him, and then just wanting to be healed of certain things because they, they are, it's a burden to hate. It is a burden to carry around unforgiveness. It is a burden to, um, always be suspicious of people that's that is cumbersome and it is not the way that God intends for us to live he wishes that we um he has designed it that we live the abundant life and not the abundant life where there's plenty of money and you know you live in lavish but where there is an abundance of peace and an abundance of joy and an abundance of love he wants an abundance in him in the things of him he wants spiritual prosperity he wants spiritual health spiritual wholeness because how can we go to a dying world when we are inside the walls of the church broken like he said to me a few months ago how can he use me to lead people out of bondage if i allow myself to get in in bound places we have to be able to walk in the liberty wherewith he set us free. We have, we need to be able to do that so that we can go to a dying world and we can preach the best, the gospel of Jesus Christ. And they can see us live it, not just what by, by what we say, but they can see us live it. 
They can see us um, embody the characteristics of Christ. They can see that we are able to do the things that we are preaching to them that God wants us to do. We are to imitate the life of Christ. We are to embody, uh, we are to put on the mind of Christ. He had the mind to be a servant. He had the mind to be obedient. He had the mind to love. He was full of compassion. He 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 forgave. We are supposed to put on the mind of Christ and through his spirit do all of the same. Doesn't mean that we're perfect. But yes, this is what he is called us to do, especially when we're standing before a dying world letting our light shine. So it is important that we're able to submit to him and to give him to give over to him these broken places and these broken spaces um when i when i said that um being able to successfully demolish strongholds it's done through faith and obedience in order to do that we have to humble ourselves the scripture um, first Peter chapter five, verses six through seven, therefore humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, meaning, so first of all, we humble ourselves. We don't want, we don't want God to humble us. We, we are supposed to humble ourselves. And that word humility simply means that we recognize that we can't do anything of our own accord, that we need God for everything. That we, we are totally dependent upon him. When we humble ourselves, we recognize that we need him in everything. We don't possess any capability to do anything. Everything that we're done, we're, we do, like the word says, not by power, not by might, but by his spirit. He enables us. He empowers us to do the things that he will call us to do. And again, this is with a desire to live a life in Christ. And so when we humble ourselves under his hand, it means we place ourselves before him and we allow him to crush anything that's in his way. Taking us back to the Corinthian scriptures. When we humble ourselves, we, we get before him and we let him crush these arguments. We let him crush these high things and these thoughts that are seeking to put themselves before him. He's the only one who has the power to do that. So how we, how we, how we cast down the arguments, how we cast down the high things, how we bring the thoughts into captivity is that we place them before him. We go back into, as it says in first, in that same scripture, we cast our cares upon him. So we take those arguments and, and place them before him before him. Lord, I know that despite what I went through last year with my ex, I'm not going to allow the enemy to, and I I said it to people. um, I had someone say to me, I know you don't ever want to get married again. The devil is a lie. Absolutely not. I am a woman who want, who wants a husband. I want a family. I, I still believe in love. This has, and I, I kept saying it out loud for the enemy to hear. This has not killed that in me. This has not damaged that to me. And I, I submitted that before God, Lord, help help me not get in a place where I can't trust I can't love I you know I I feel like you know what all men are probably like this so I don't even want to be bothered no because that's not the way truth of the word that's not the way the Lord designed me to be and so I cast those cares upon him I take them thoughts them arguments them lies and I cast them upon the Lord and let him 
crushed them under his mighty hand. Because again, as I'm humbling myself, Lord, I can't do nothing without you. I can't forgive without you. I can't get over this without you. I can't unpack these boxes without you. I can't, I can't sit in this hurt without you. I can't feel the pain without you. I need you for everything. I need you along every step of the way. My friends can't help me. Not saying that he can't use them for his will, but they, in, in their own strength and in their own power, their thoughts and opinions, take our lessons from Job. They can't help me. My husband, as sweet as he is, and I know he loves me, he can't help me. My kids can't help me. Our mothers and fathers and grandmothers, as much as they love us and have our best intentions at heart, as Yolanda um, Adams said in the song, in the song, um, um, this battle's not your, not yours, but it's the Lord's. She said, I tried my mama. I tried my family. They can't help me. They, I know she said in the song, I know she loves me referring to her mama, but she can't help me. That's humility. That's humbling ourselves before the mighty hand of God. That's, that's saying to him that even though I love all these people and these people love me, there comes a time where I have to get in the face of you. You're the only one that can do it. You're the only one that can help. Um, to kind of close this out, I think about Peter as I was, you know, putting all the notes and everything together. I, I thought about Peter and I thought about, um, it's found in Matthew chapter 14 verses, uh, you can read 22 through 33, but it's when, uh, Jesus calls for Peter to walk on the water. And when we look at unpacking our boxes and we think about the work that it's going to take, the work that has to be done, putting our faith into action, saying that, Lord, I'm extending my faith to a place of believing that you can fix me. And so uh, I'm just going to take the step and I'm just going to start unpacking it and giving it to you. Right. If we look at Peter, Jesus called him to walk on the water. So our situation of unpacking these boxes can feel like something to that magnitude of like I got, I'm of walking on the water. We are we all have heard the story. And so we all know Peter's a mistake. He took his eyes off Jesus. But here's where I want to caution you in this process of how do I just begin to deal with, you know, my issues? I got to take it a step at a time. All, G all Peter had to do on that water was keep his eyes on Christ and take one step at a time. A lot of times in life, we get overwhelmed and bogged down with everything that we know needs to be fixed or needs to be done or needs to be handled. So instead of us just keeping our eyes on Christ and focusing on the next step, we look at the size of the ocean. We look at the winds. We look at how the rain is pouring. We look at the boat that's being tossed to and fro. Instead of just keeping our focus on Christ and focusing on the next step, allowing him to guide us towards him as we take the next step. Same thing to apply to unpacking your boxes. As you begin to deal with these places in you that are broken, you take it one step at a time. You keep your eyes on Christ. And you let him lead and guide you towards him as you deal with it one step at a time. Today, I'm going to deal with the fact that um, my ex hurt me and I, I got to forgive him. I have to forgive him. I ha If I want the forgiveness of Christ, I have to forgive. So today, Lord, I'm dealing with, with my unforgiveness. Or, um, you know, I lost my mom. 
Um, I never got a chance to deal with, you know, some issues and things and, and I just haven't been able to get over it. I'm going to deal with that today. I'm, I'm just going to focus on that one thing. I'm not going to focus on everything else that's tied to it that I need you to handle because we, we get overwhelmed, we get bogged down, it, it, it becomes real easy to take our eyes off Christ and now we're drowning because, and then we start to feel despair. What's the use? The enemy, he comes in. What's the use? You, look at all these problems you have. It's just too much. It's too much to deal with. It's going to take too much work. So what's the, what's the use? I'm good. I, I'm just going to leave it where it's at and I'm good. But if you, if you're serious about your relationship with Christ, you're not. And so I encourage you to, unlike Peter, keep your eyes on Christ and take it one step at a time. And remember Hebrews chapter four, verses 14, that lets us know that we have a high priest. So back in the old Testament, um, before, you know, Jesus came and died and the veil was torn. And now we can, through Christ, we can enter into the Holy of Holies. We can, we can take our prayers to God. We don't need a priest back then. They needed the high priest was the one who the only one who could go into the Holy of Holies and stand before God and pray on the behalf of the people. This is letting us know that we can go enter into the Holy of Holies before God with our issues and our cares and our concerns because we submit them to our high priest. So we always pray to God in the name of Jesus. Jesus is our mediator because of his perfect sacrifice and taking on the sins of the world. How we're able to access the father is through his son. And we're not... um you know, accessing God through a mediator who has no idea what it feels like to be tempted. He don't don't even know what it feels like to be hungry. This scripture lets us know that we have a high priest who can sympathize with our every weakness because he was tempted on all points. The only difference between us and him is that he didn't sin, but he has felt it all. He has gone through it all. And this scripture says, because of that, Because we have a high priest who knows how we feel, who knows the struggle, who knows how hard it is in the flesh, because he did it in the flesh. Again, I referenced the Garden of Gethsemane, how he prayed and asked God if it's possible, let the cup of death, the death of the cross, let it pass because he knew that it was going to be hard. He knew it was going to be hard, but he humbled himself to obedience to say, not my will, but your will be done because of that. We can go boldly to the throne of grace because we have this high priest who understands our weaknesses. We can boldly approach the throne. We don't have to be timid. We don't have to be scared. We don't have to, God probably doesn't want to hear about that. He probably, we can boldly go to the throne of grace so that we can receive mercy and grace when we are in need. So as we, you know, kind of walk through this process of dealing with the things that we've been through and our hurt and our pain and traumas, let us remember that Jesus understands. And so we can go to him boldly and say, you know, I, I'm angry because this happened to me. And, and, and I don't understand. I don't understand why, why you allowed this to happen to me. But part of our process, a part of our discipline is letting him speak back, letting him give revelation. Sometimes it, it, it'll be things that, you know, it, it's hard for us to hear and swallow. Um, but it, it's all done through faith because our weapons are mighty in God for pulling down strongholds. Mightily, we can at- attack these things. Boldly, we can go to the throne to get um, his His mercy and his grace to help us to, um, you know, to tackle these things that 
that we're facing and that we're trying to deal with all for the glory of him. Amen. Um, over the next few weeks, I'll be looking at unpacking specific boxes. And so, um, tune in next week as we deal with grief. Um, you know, some of us have lost family members that we feel like we just haven't been able to get over it. Um, you know, regardless of how they left the earth, we have not been able to fully heal from it. We haven't been able to fully get over it. It is a place of brokenness in us and it, it, it affects us. It affects our walk of salvation. It affects how we interact with people. Um, and to a certain extent, I, I believe that for some of us, it affects our ability to have true, full trust and faith in God. So we're unable to completely humble ourselves before him and submit to, um, knowing that we need him and him alone because somewhere our brokenness is affecting that relationship. Um, but I just want us to be encouraged with the idea and, and the fact that through God, we can begin to um, uh, attack this process of unpacking the boxes, of dealing with our hurt, dealing with our pain, and dealing with our trauma. We just have to do the opposite of Peter, <laughs> um, who eventually in you know the Bible, he got himself together, but when he was on that ocean, he, he messed up. We want to do the opposite. We want to keep our eyes on Christ, and all we have to do is worry about the next step the next step as he as God is leading us let's just worry about the next step not about how big the ocean is not about our friends in the boat not about the boat being damaged not about the winds and the the rain that's you know the storm that's surrounding us but keep our eyes on Christ and just focus on the next step father God in the name of Jesus Lord we just thank you and praise you Lord God we lift you up we give you the glory and we magnify your name Lord God we thank you that you give us the word to be a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. We thank you, Father God, that you give the word that it has come to be our guide. It has come to give us instructions and direction and that you gave us the precious gift of the Holy Spirit who comes to reveal all truth, who help, who comes to help us um, rightly divide your word of truth, rightly interpret your scripture. And so, God, we just ask that in the days, weeks, and months to come, that you will strengthen us, O oh God, gird up the loins of our mind, get, empower us, O oh God, to be able to deal with our broken places and our broken spaces. Um, help us, Father God, to be able to deal with and unpack these places of hurt within us so that you can come in, God, and heal us in the name of Jesus. You can come in and fulfill the promises that you've left in the word to mend the brokenhearted, to bind up our wounds, and to heal us so that we can walk in true freedom and true abundance and to walk after you, giving you all of the glory. These things and all things we ask in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Again, uh, be blessed. I pray that this blesses you and tune in next week as we begin to deal with our grief.